Hi, this is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At GoToDobbs.com, shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40-plus locations, get same-day install. For tires, it's Dobbs. For deals you can use, click on GoToDobbs.com now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is a character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN. A fresh perspective on the day's biggest stories. It's character and Smallman's Fresh Take. Powered by Schnucks. Eat good to feel great at Schnucks on 101 ESPN. 803 with character and Smallman on 101 ESPN. And coming up in our next segment, we're going to talk to Darren Pang, blues analyst from FS Midwest in our blues booth segment. And Panger will join Chris Kerber tonight on Behind the Bench here on 101 ESPN. Hockey made the announcement yesterday that at some point they're going to come back. While hockey was making that announcement, Michelle, baseball's owners were making their first concrete proposal to players, which included a dramatic pay cut. This on the heels of the initial trial balloon that was popped quickly of a 50-50 distribution between players and owners of the sports revenues. And I think players have a really tough choice as they try to negotiate playing this year because owners have already said, and it might be true, it might not, that they'll lose less money not playing than if they pay the players their full prorated salaries. The players aren't and shouldn't be happy about the proposal that calls for massive salary cuts to the highest paid players. But that being said, they have to make a decision here, and I would think it's got to come pretty quickly in the negotiations. Do I want to play for a pretty hefty pay cut, or do I just not want to play and make nothing this year? I think that's a really tough choice for especially the 65% of players that are making less than a million dollars, and you would hope that a conclusion would be reached and all the players would be able to vote on this, and obviously the big money players are going to hold a lot of sway but if I, even if I'm in the shoes of Mike Trout, maybe I shouldn't use Mike Trout as an example. Let's use Bryce Harper as an example, where, and his agent is Scott Boris, so I'm sure that they have a very strong feeling about this. But would I rather make $5 million or nothing? Mm-hmm. That would be, have to be the choice that I would make. And I think 10 out of 10 would say 5 million. I will take the 5 million. And that's what this is. This is a negotiation. The players are going to try and go back and forth as much as they can with the owners to get the highest percentage of what they feel like they can get. And I understand that. But earlier in the show, we heard a cut from Jeff Passan talking about how the 2020 season hangs in the balance and how this is a crucial, crucial week for Major League Baseball for the entire viability of the league moving forward. And I just hope that both parties understand the severity of what could happen if they don't get this done over money. And 
yeah, if I'm a player and the owners come with the proposal 20 cents on the dollar, I'm going to bristle at that too. That's not something that I'm just going to roll over and say, yep, I'm so desperate to play, let's sign it. But the further that this goes on and the, the shorter the timeline becomes to get this done, both sides are going to have to make it hurt. Both sides are going to have to concede something that they really want in order to get this done. And yeah, am I a player that's bristling on 20 cents to the dollar? Sure. But then what's my other option? Zero cents? Zero dollars? So I think even though we, we look at the owner's proposal and say it's ridiculous, this is what this is what ownership does. This is what people at the top of any sort of industry does. They look at the employee and they say, you should be grateful for what I'm willing to give you. And that's not fair. And I don't think the players should accept that. But ultimately, the owners have a lot of power in this situation. And owners are never going to open their books. We know that. They're never going to make clear what they make or what they don't make. But we do have the annual Forbes valuation list and owners, at least our owner, will tell you it's not that far off. It's not exact, but it's not really far off. And what Forbes had last year is that the Marlins lost $5.9 million. And some of the other teams with operating revenues that were lower were the Mets at $7 million. And I don't believe the Mets are ever going to be in a situation where they would have to file for bankruptcy. The A's at $10 million, the Blue Jays at $16 million. Then you go to the other end of the spectrum and you have Houston making $99 million. You had the Cardinals making $72 million. Teams that made pretty substantial profits, according to Forbes, last year. But it's those teams at the bottom that Major League Baseball and the players need to be concerned about. Because if you put those teams in a situation, and there should be revenue sharing. There should be across the board revenue sharing. I understand that. But if you put some teams and franchises in harm's way because of what they're paying players this year, then you might get to a situation where rather than 30 teams, you have only 26. Because there are some teams that any rational person can look at like the Marlins or the A's or the Rays and say that team's not making a lot of money Mm -hmm. and they could be in trouble if they have to pay all of the salaries. I think that the players need to find that line that is palatable for them but they aren't going to run teams out of business either. I just, the, the more we get word about these negotiations, the further apart both parties seem to be. Because I think the first thing we heard, owners come to the table 50-50 revenue split. And while the players were not satisfied with that, I think a lot of people said, okay, well, that's a that's kind of a fair starting point. Even though they, they don't want that, at least owners came to the table with something that can be negotiated. And it just seems like the further down the road we've gotten with these discussions, the further apart the two parties are. And while the NHL seems to be taking a big step forward and the NBA seems to be taking a big step forward, it seems like baseball is pretty stagnant. And that makes me very very concerned that we won't see baseball in 2020. Isn't it amazing that with hockey and basketball, and I understand that they the players made most of their money, but we haven't heard word one about money from the National Hockey League or the NBA. We're hearing about player safety. We're hearing about where to play the games. We're talking about playoff formats. We haven't heard about a dime with the other sports. And it seems like with baseball, and maybe it's because the season hadn't started yet, but that's all we're hearing about. 
And I wonder if baseball could go back in time if they would have not leaked a lot of this to the media, whether it was ownership, the MLBPA, whatever, knowing the way that it's played out amongst the fans or if they really are in their own silo and they don't see how the fans could be reacting to this and they don't care how the general public could be reacting to these negotiations. Marvin Miller and then subsequently Don Fear with the Major League Baseball Players Association always said that they can't concern themselves with public perception because they know that the public always wants to see their games. So they're going to be on the side of the people that they think are taking the games from them. Based on this latest proposal, I would suggest that it's the owners. If I'm a a baseball player and I see this, I say, what the hell are you guys doing? Come on, let's, let's do real negotiations. Here's your first proposal in late May and you you guys want to get started on June 10th and this is your first proposal to us? I wouldn't blame the, the top half of players, well, let's say the top 35%, if they say, fine, if you don't want to play, if you want to have teams go out of business, fine. Until you give us a great proposal, we'll just sit and be quarantined. Also, if it is the owners that are leaking a lot of this stuff, that doesn't really make the Players Association, the players look at them and say, yeah, you have our best interests at heart. They're, they're looking at it saying, this is the reason that we're not trusting you because you're trying to make us look like the bad guys. You're trying to put us in a corner in the court of public opinion and force us to make a decision that or to agree to something that we're not comfortable with. So I, I just think both parties need to put ego aside and come to the table and say, we need to get this done. What do you want? What do you want? Let's meet here. One of the problems that baseball has is that Bud Seelig was an owner, and he was their commissioner for, what, 20 years, 22 years? And Rob Manfred was Bud Seelig's right-hand guy. So this is a guy that players can reasonably expect to not be on their side at all. He's totally an owner guy. Look at Adam Silver. He's clearly got a partnership with players, right? Mm -hmm. And he's willing to basically eliminate one of the owners, Donald Sterling. He, He got rid of him. And so I think players probably have more trust in a guy like Adam Silver because not only does he talk the talk about being a partner, but he's willing to walk the walk and say, I'm working in the best interests of all of us. And the Donald Sterling thing, too, even though a lot of other owners agreed with Adam Silver and didn't like him, you had someone pretty vocal in Mark Cuban who holds a lot of power saying, hey, this is a slippery slope. I don't agree with Donald with what Donald Sterling did, but are we really just going to say the commissioner can just force this guy out? So to have somebody like Mark Cuban even kind of conflicting with what Adam Silver was doing, but him forging ahead shows shows the players, yeah, I'm not going to stand for this. No, and can you ever imagine? Let's not even think about imagining. Let's just look at Rob Manfred's tenure. There has been nothing that would lead you to believe that an owner has even been censured for something that he said or leaked or talked about. And there have been owners that have done some pretty stupid stuff, but they don't seem to get any trouble for it. Yeah. And uh, the one thing he did was prevent the Cohen guy from buying the Mets, but he just can't be a criminal or a guy who uh, runs Ponzi schemes or whatever he did. I don't remember. But you can't do that in own teams. That's Michelle. I'm Randy. Coming up, we're going to talk to our buddy Darren Pang of FS Midwest as we head into the Blues booth. We'll talk more about this playoff scenario next on 101 ESPN. This is Carriker and Smallman. We're talking everything St. Louis Blues as we head into the Blues booth. The Blues booth presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. The home show sale is going on now at Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. Update your home with savings on 
on all types of flooring, including solid, reclaimed, wide plank, and more. Visit one of the showrooms in Crestwood, Manchester, St. Peter's, or online at BoardWalkHardwood.com. BoardWalk Hardwood Floors, great floors for every home, with better selection, better value, and the best service. Exactly when, but we do know that the National Hockey League is going to come back. The regular season is is over, and sometime we would think in late July there will be a 24 team tournament to determine who the Stanley Cup champion for 2019-20 is going to be. And in the first round, there will be a round robin between the Blues, the Avalanche, the Knights, and the Stars. And while those teams are going at it to determine the top four seeds, the bottom eight in the Western Conference will have a best of five qualifying series where four teams are going to get knocked out. We welcome to the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line our buddy Darren Pang of FS Midwest with Michelle and Randy. Panger, good morning. How are you doing? You know what? It's going very, very well. Um, enjoying it here, getting the news from uh, getting news from Gary Bettman yesterday, getting news from, you know, the, the players have been kind of, uh, you know, they, they've been in touch as well, and so I've, I've had information trickle here or there, and we've talked about it on a weekly basis here, what, what I thought was going to happen, and this is this is where I thought it was going to happen, but I think it needed to be announced by Gary uh, at this point to, to, to uh, you know, put more certainty into it, even though I'm sure that there's a lot more to talk about between the NHLPA uh, and the NHL. I think there's still a lot of details needed to be worked out, but but in, in saying all that, they need to hammer out a, a good game plan here and be the first professional organization to say, okay, we've canceled our regular season um, and our playoffs will start and this is how it's going to be. So I think they were very proactive and I, I think people are, and you guys sound like it, you know, very excited about the prospects of, of having the round robin and then having the 24, you know, team play in as well. And, and uh, uh, you know, the oddity is it's going to be in July and August and, and September, but uh, the fact of the matter is they're going to be playing some hockey and they're still playing for a championship and it's still going to be a legitimate Stanley Cup championship. It's going to be odd, but it's still, it's still a championship and uh, the Blues have an opportunity to go back to back and who wouldn't want that opportunity? Panger, there's so many aspects of this that we can, you know, isolate and get your opinion on. And the first thing I want to talk to you about is, you know, the Blues clinching the playoff spot and the Central Division title means that they're going to go into the top four seeds and they're going to be playing in that separate round robin tournament to determine seeding for the first round. What's your opinion on that? Because Randy and I were talking about how that could benefit the Blues to kind of have a, a baptism by fire and be facing really tough teams without consequences at first to kind of get their sea legs back. But then you look at the other side of the coin and you're saying, hey, they did clinch the Central Division. Shouldn't they be rewarded for that in some sort of seeding fashion? Well, I, I think the original conversation that the Players Association and the NHL were having was uh, um, how do we get the top four teams into a competitive environment? Um, it's fine and all saying that, you know, number 12 gets in and they'll play number five, um, and it'll be a best of a three or a best of a five. They hadn't decided at that point, but I think the conversations that the players' association and the players' concern was, okay, well, what do we do? I mean, you're, you know, the advantage will be to the team that just wins a best of five or a best of three series, and goes in and plays uh, the, one of the top four teams in the NHL that deserve to be ranked top four. Uh, but what kind of competitive environment are they in? They they can't play exhibition games, and practices aren't going to be real. So I think that's where they came up. That's where they came up with the decision to have a, a round robin to make that competitive to to reseed the top four teams. So I think it, 
I mean, it, it works out as well as it's going to work out. Let's put it that way. So the bottom line is the, for the St. Louis Blues to get ready for a round robin, which is not easy to do because it's not a series in which you, you know it's going to be a best of seven and you're going to see that team every single night, you know, for two weeks. Uh, round robin's a real difficult format, so you really have to be mentally ready to get ready for that and make sure you get the best seating you can. Um, and that's going to be the bottom line for them in preparing for this. And paying your seating is a factor, and it, it was brought to my attention. I wasn't even thinking about it. But the fact that you do have the last change, regardless of where the game is played, you aren't going to have home ice, you aren't going to have the home crowd, but Craig Bruby would have a pretty distinct advantage if he's the number one seed because of that last change wherever you're playing. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I think Craig does a good job of getting on the road and still getting the matchups that he wants. But I think that the bottom line is, um, even though you don't have that home ice advantage and you don't have that crowd right there, you don't have that great St. Louis crowd and whatever, um, you know, just getting, you know, the top seed, you're, you're still supposed to, with the integrity of the game, play the team that's, you know, that's that, that's a lot lower than you. So the advantages should be better. Um, um, let's just say hypothetically, could you imagine uh, the let's just go to it right now. The Chicago Blackhawks upset the Edmonton Oilers because the Hawks, I mean, let's face it, the Hawks at the trade deadline, Randy and Michelle, they traded their basically their top goaltender, Robin Leonard, to the Vegas Golden Knights. I, I mean, they unloaded because they were so they were out of it. And now here they are. They're in it. Let's say they beat the Edmonton Oilers. And it's the, and then, you know, and then you, now you've got the, the Blues playing the Blackhawks uh, right, right away in that second, in that first round. So there, there's a lot of, I mean, a lot of interesting situations, but I, I think that you want to be the top-seeded team if you possibly can. Panger, let's take the Blues out of the conversation. When Now that we know the format that's going to be laid before us, what team do you think is the most dangerous? Uh, I still think the top teams are the most dangerous. Uh, but, but going from that, I mean, I, I think any time you'd have to play the Edmonton Oilers in a, in a best of seven, uh, because of the, because of Connor McDavid and because of Leon Dreisaitl, uh, that just won the Art, Art Ross trophy with the most points. He's the first German born player to do, do so in the NHL. Um, that can be dangerous. I mean, that, that's a guy that's a game breaker. So, um, you know, he, he, He's, he gives everybody fits, so why wouldn't he give the Blues fits? I think the biggest question, Michelle, is, you know, and it's, it's I, I don't know if I'm getting too deep or analytical on this, but, you know, is a young team that's got, you know, that's real fast, that's, uh, that's kind of run and gun like Colorado or like Edmonton, teams like that, will they have the advantage over a veteran team like the Blues that are kind of a, a big, heavy team that plays positionally, but they don't play fast, but they play sound and they play in your face and they're heavy all the time? I think that's going to be uh, an area that we'll have to look at um, as we see a couple of games being played uh, in the middle of the summer. You know, who's going to have the advantage? Um, I'm hoping it's going to be the veteran team like the St. Louis Blues that are going to have the advantage. Panger, we've continually heard about Vegas being one of the hub cities. What are you hearing about the other hub city? Yeah, right now that's uh, it's interesting with Canada um, – Depending on uh, on what Canada does with uh, their Prime Minister Trudeau, um, you know, looking at their hub cities and maybe uh, Toronto and Edmonton, I'm I'm still thinking on. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm still thinking on our side. It's going to be Vegas, um, but but I don't know that for sure. So Minnesota and Vegas were the two teams that I talked about earlier, and I talked about them last week with Dallas being maybe 
one of those teams in the mix, but uh, I still believe that um, Minneapolis-St. Paul and, and Vegas are the, are the front runners in that area. And the one thing about Minneapolis-St. Paul, and, and I agree with you about Vegas, but uh, it, it's, it's a pretty self-contained area, easy to get to the rink, and plenty of practice facilities. That, and that is true, uh, and, and they haven't been really hard hit. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know enough about that and, you know, what constitutes it other than other than the fact that I thought St. Louis would have a really legitimate chance because of all the uh, practice ice facilities that we have and brand-new Centene and the new locker rooms in, in Enterprise Center. Um, and, and God forbid, but we have some of the best um, hospitals in the world right here um, within a mile's distance. So, um, so I was disappointed that, uh, that it didn't, doesn't look like St. Louis is on that. And that list was kind of quite long, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, when they handed that out, I was quite surprised that, they, that St. Louis wasn't somewhere on that list. But uh, in the meantime, uh, Vegas would be awfully hot. But uh, as they say, that would be dry heat, uh, Michelle and Randy. <laughs> and maybe a little bit of a difference between the humidity. And uh, I don't think Minnesota gets as much humidity as maybe we do here. I wonder if that's a factor. It'll still be cold at the rink, though, right, Panger? <laughs> Always cold at the rink, Michelle, and I love it. I love to go in the rink. I you also saw that Gary Bettman's plan was, you know, only 50 people per team um, traveling as part of that that group. So I I think there's a lot of figuring out as as to who's going, who's traveling with the group, and, and who's not traveling with the group. I think we're still up in the air too, um, as to whether or not we're broadcasting the game in a studio here in St. Louis, or whether or not we'd be you know at the facility and and be doing it remotely. So. Uh, there's still a lot up in the air, but I think we're all flexible at this point. With all that we've all gone through and everybody that's been in the front lines, I still think this is great for morale and, and just great for positive energy that uh, we're talking about something like this. Panger, we're going to hear from you tonight here on 101 ESPN, as I know you'll join Curbs behind the bench at 6 o'clock, and we're looking forward to that more in-depth discussion about where we're headed here with this NHL season. Sounds great, guys. Randy and Michelle, I look, look forward to discussing this further and maybe get a little bit more information as we go along here. All right. Appreciate it, Panger, as always. Thank you. Have a great day. My pleasure. Take care. That's the great Darren Pang joining us here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got a fight for you, and Michelle and Colin will ask the questions, and hopefully they won't be too difficult for either of us. That's next on 101 ESPN. Think you can beat down character? We sure hope you can. The Fight with Character, brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Your best choice for quality tires and expert auto service. Dobbs on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Character and Smallman here on 101 ESPN. It's 8.34 in the morning, which means it's time for the fight. Before we bring in Randy's challenger today, Colin is here. Colin, what are we fighting for this week? Our winner today receives a Supplement Superstores gift card. Open regular store hours. Supplement Superstores is currently offering delivery, curbside pickup, and shipping while exceeding all CDC guidelines, including social distancing for shopping in person to keep a safe environment. That sounds great. And now, Colin, if you could please put your stats and info hat on and let us know what is Randy's record since moving the fight from 4 p.m. to 8.30 a.m. I've got all the hats over here, Michelle. No problem. <laughs> That's right. Randy is 14-2. and two. If this were an NFL season, I think he'd be looking at a first-round buy. So wow, not okay. too bad for Randy. Okay, great. And our challenger today is Rob. Rob, good morning. How are you doing this morning? I'm good, although you guys shouldn't read his stats before we do this because that's kind of menacing. You're right. It is kind of an intimidation factor, and Colin and I are neutral parties. So you know what, Rob? To your point, starting today, we will not read Randy's stats heading into this because we don't want to intimidate you. 
Yeah, well, I mean, other people could probably handle it better. <laughs> All right, Rob, you ready to go? Sure. All right, question number one. Today would have been Cardinals Hall of Famer Terry Moore's 108th birthday. Which war interrupted the center fielder's career? Was it the Vietnam War, the Korean War, or World War II? Uh, I'm going to say World War II. Question number two. On this day in 1968, legendary Bears head coach George Hallis retired with 318 regular season wins. How many Super Bowls did Hallis bring to Chicago as their head coach? Oh, man. Uh, two, two, one, or zero? Oh, yes. You get the options, oh. Rob. I was I was giving you the Randy treatment oh. there for a second. Oh, I thought this was like a special like, harassment thing. <laughs> um, I'm going to say one. Question number three, Rob. When Joe Torre was fired by the Cardinals in 1995, who was the interim manager for the remainder of that 1995 season? Was it Ken Boyer, Mike Jorgensen, or Fred McAllister? Uh, he was Jorgensen. And question number four. Which American League team did Keith Hernandez finish his major league career with? Was it the Yankees, the Indians, or the California Angels? Uh, I'm going to say the Angels. All right. Colin is going to go retrieve Randy from the hall. Hopefully he's there. He was asked to do a blues report on 106.5 The Arch. So hopefully. Oh, here he is. He is coming in. Randy, as you come in the studio, I didn't even acknowledge that you were wearing your blues polo today. There's a reason for that. Yeah, representing. Yeah. I love it. I'm, I'm just so thrilled about the NHL coming back at some point that I thought, well, I'll wear my blues. Yeah, I love that you dress on theme, Randy. Yeah, totally. Randy, say hello to Rob, your challenger today. Rob, how are you doing today? Good to have you with us. I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening and playing. Randy, ready? Ready. Question number one. Today would have been Cardinals Hall of Famer Terry Moore's 108th birthday. Which war interrupted the center fielder's career? It would have had to have been... He was with the Gas House Gang, and that was in the 30s. And World War II happened in the 30s and 40s. So I'm going to go with World War II. Question number two, Randy. On this day in 1968... Can I just say that I paid attention in history that day? <laughs> pretty good, pretty good for me to know that. Yeah, That's, I'm impressed. Thank you. Are you a history guy? No, not at all. So I got a, last year uh, a, an assistant principal from my days at Parkway North uh, that I know. He's still involved with some of the things I'm involved with. Told me a story about a history teacher coming up to him. He was an assistant principal, and he said, "What am I going to do about this Randy character kid?" And Don said. What are you talking about? He said, he sits in the back of my class all day and he just talks sports. And Don said, don't worry about it. He'll be fine. That's what he's going to do. Don't worry about it. So I kind of got a hall pass for history. Yeah. But that day I was paying attention. But no, I'm not a big history guy. Well, as someone that knows everything about sports history, I just didn't know if that transcended yeah. to general history as well. American history. I felt like I learned a lot by watching Hamilton. So you know what? So did I. <laughs> that's a history lesson, right? Yeah. That's the way I need to be taught. All right, now question number two, Randy. On this day in, rap in form. <laughs> <right>. <laughs> on this day in 1968, legendary Bears head coach George Hallis retired with 318 regular season wins. How many Super Bowls did he bring to Chicago as their head coach? Zero, none, not a one. Randy, when Joe Torre was fired by the Cardinals in 1995, who was the interim manager for the remainder of that season? It was my friend Mike Jorgensen, who uh, was dealt a bad hand that year, but handled it in great fashion. Good guy, Mike Jorgensen. 
And question number four, which American League team did Keith Hernandez finish his major league career with? He wound up going to the Cleveland Indians at the end of his career. We've got a winner. Go crazy, folks! Go crazy! The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. Sorry, Rob. A clean sweep for Randy. He beat you yeah. four to two. Terry Moore's career was interrupted by World War II. George Hallis won zero Super Bowls as the Bears head coach. Mike Jorgensen took over for Joe Torre after he was fired in 1995 by the Cardinals. And Keith Hernandez finished his major league career with the Cleveland Indians. Rob, thanks so much for playing. No, thanks for having me on. And we appreciate you being with us. And you have your opportunity every morning to participate in the fight. All you have to do is, once the show starts, 7 o'clock-ish, all you have to do is text the word fight to the Air Comfort Service text line 65780. There's so many people out there that love history, Randy, and they specifically love history about wars. I just thought you might be one of those war guys. No, I'm not really into it. I, I, I enjoy, I, I appreciate people that do. Like Ken Hitchcock did Civil War uh, reenactments mm-hmm. and knows everything about it. Keith Hernandez, interestingly, is a huge Civil War buff. And there are people that know everything about wars. I just, uh, I know kind of when we get in and out of wars and why we get in and out of wars, but I can't tell you the nuance mm-hmm. of of war. So I, I, I'm just, I, my brain has a limited capacity, clearly, and that is taken up mostly by sports. You know, I called my dad the other night because I had to ask him a question, and he's like, what's up? I just sat down. There's a three-night series on Ulysses S. Grant on the History Channel, so I'm locked in. I was like, oh, all right. And there's so many people that they love stuff like that. They love watching and hearing and listening to war. And I just thought, you know, Randy, you love sports so much, and sports is about strategy, and mm-hmm. so is war. There's a lot of strategic oh, stuff man. that you learn when you, when you watch about war. So I just thought maybe you'd be into it. Frank, time for a knee slapper. It's Randy oh. That was a really an opportune time to fire that. <laughs> so talking about war. But Michelle, uh, our dog had surgery last week. Our our young female golden retriever had surgery last week. And on a day like this, you have to let her outside, right? Mm-hmm. And then when she comes, and her name is Darby. Darby Shaw is her name. Yes, yes. Uh, she's named after the uh, character in the movie The Pelican Brief. And so, like when you let her out. On a day like this, you have to bring her in and dry off her feet. And every single time that she comes into the house and I'm cleaning off her paws, I say, "Uh, did you hear about the three-legged dog that walked into the bar and said, which one of you guys shot my paw? Thanks for the dad, Joe Carriker. You know, I didn't know that that's where we were going, but I appreciate it nonetheless. (laughs) Got to get it in there somehow in a limited amount of time. <laughs> and, and how does Darby Shaw react to the joke? She never laughs. She has never laughed once. So tough crowd. Tough yeah, crowd. She is a tough crowd. So anyway, that's uh, that's the fight here on 101 ESPN. <laughs> and a dad joke. You got to get the dad jokes in there. Uh, coming up, the Portland Trailblazers' Damian Lillard says that if he's not going to be in the playoffs, he ain't playing, even if there are regular season games that don't matter. We'll talk about whether or not he should next on 101 ESPN. Michelle, the NBA is going to come back, and they don't have a format yet like the NHL does. And obviously, we talked earlier about Mark Cuban proposing a 20-team tournament. 
Damian Lillard, who's one of the best players in the league, says he won't compete in a season if the Blazers don't have a chance to make the playoffs. He says, if we come back and they're just like, we're adding a few teams to finish the regular season and they're throwing us out there for meaningless games and we don't have a true opportunity to get into the playoffs, I'm going to... I'm going to be with my team because I'm part of the team, but I'm not going to be participating. I'm telling you that right now because he says he doesn't want to risk injury. He doesn't want to risk his future what he for what he perceives as just meaningless games. Load management? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but I kind of don't blame him. I know that... Uh, a lot of people are probably listening to these comments from Damian Lillard, and they're saying, you know, if if you love the game and, and you were sitting at home for all this time, shouldn't you be so pumped to just get back out there and play? But he is looking at the bigger picture and thinking about his future. And, yeah, why would you risk injury if these are meaningless games? I kind of don't blame him. But I look at it this way, too. If the Blazers make the playoffs, they are not winning. So why bother playing at all? Even if you have a legitimate chance to make the playoffs, the Blazers aren't going anywhere in sure. the playoffs. So why bother, why bother doing anything? You can sit on the sidelines, like he says. He's not going to participate. He's going to be there. But why even play in the playoffs then? Because you aren't beating the Lakers or the Clippers if you're Portland. No, and I wonder if Damian Lillard feels this way and other star players on other teams that would be participating in these games when they return, what if they feel that way too? So then you have uh, a bunch of teams that are clearly better and dominant working these teams that are lesser without their star players participating. That's not going to be an enjoyable viewing experience for the NBA fan. It's not, no. It's going to be... It, it's. They're going to have to come up with a plan that really only has the the main teams, right? Right. That'll be the only way to legitimately do it. And it's not just Damian Lillard. Chris Haynes of Yahoo talked about Lillard not being the only one. This is something that players have been saying privately that they don't plan on playing. Some of the teams, some of the bigger stars who are not in playoff contention, they didn't feel like there was a need for them to get out there and play. And so Damian Lillard is just the first to say this publicly. So there are going to be players, like Chris Haynes said, that aren't going to want to participate if they don't have a chance. So why not do this? Why not just have your top four teams in each conference? And they're talking about playing regular season games, right? Mm -hmm. Still, they should do what the NHL did and just get rid of the fact that, uh, get rid of the dream, I guess. Not the fact, the dream of having a completion of the regular season. Have the Lakers play the Jazz in the first round. Have the Clippers play the Nuggets in the West. And out East, have it be Milwaukee and Miami, Toronto and Boston. Get all your TV money from those playoff series and then move on. Because you are going to have a lot of players that are playing for teams that have no chance. And why mm -hmm. should they? And if there's not star players playing on those teams that have no chance. no. We, we talk about the TV money. We talked about getting fans locked in. That's not going to be something that gets fans excited. So I don't know why you would even try to have regular season games. I guess to maybe have teams shake off the rust. So by the time you do get to the playoffs, you have the maximum product that you could possibly have given the circumstances. I understand all of that. But I'm with you. I would just go straight to the playoffs. Now, one of the things in my scenario that would be eliminated, you talk about star players, you would have Oklahoma City. They have Chris Paul. You wouldn't have Houston with Westbrook and Harden. You wouldn't have Dallas with 
your probably most prolific young player, Luka Doncic. Out east, you'd miss out on Philadelphia, Embiid and Simmons. So you would miss out on some star players. And perhaps those players would think that they have a chance. And so maybe you expand it to a normal playoff where you have eight from each conference. But I don't disagree necessarily with Damian Lillard. I don't. I wouldn't have the same philosophy for his reasons. How often does an NBA player get hurt, right? They're playing basketball all the time. So if that's his concern, I'm not going to buy in. But if he just doesn't want to play because it's meaningless, I'm okay with that. But and they're coming off a, an extreme rest, so yeah. you know their chances of getting hurt. Well, I guess you can make the argument that they're not as as in their routine, so maybe they would get hurt. But I don't know. See, as we're talking through this, part of me wants a guy like Damian Lillard to say, even if the games don't matter, I want to go out there and make some noise. I want to go out there and have myself and my team play the best that we possibly can, and perhaps disrupt a team that could go on to to win a championship in some way, shape, or form. That's while I understand his rationale and his reasoning, it's not the attitude that you want out of star players in any league. And his reasoning, by the way, he thinks that. Perhaps they should have a situation like Mark Cuban is proposing. He said, we had fought ourselves back into position to get a playoff spot. We had our starting center and starting power forward coming back. So we had a lot to look forward to, and for great reason. Now they're healthy and have extra time to train and rehab while everybody's rusty. So now they won't be coming back as the only rusty players. And if everybody's rusty, we can come in here and beat everybody. Interesting thought, but... I still don't think that are, are they going to beat LeBron and AD? Are they going to beat uh, Kawhi and Paul George? I don't, I don't think they are. I, I think as good as Portland is and as good as they can be, and that's pretty darn good. I think they're when healthy a top four team. I don't think that they match the two LA franchises. I don't think so either. And I, this is interesting, right? I want to talk to you about this. He talks about everybody being rusty, and I know that practicing against the best and playing against the best certainly you're not at that caliber but we talk about nhl players getting their bodies ready to compete and they haven't been able to skate and which is a huge component of their training regiment with these nba players i would not be surprised if all of them have not had access to a gym have not had and don't have a court at their house or some sort of facility that they've been able to shoot and dribble and just get out there and and do at least the fundamentals that they need to do and so i i know that they haven't had the physicality of a practice they haven't had the actual practice portion the game portion of a practice so that's going to take some time to getting used to but i wonder how much of uh you know a makeup ground these players are going to need to get back out there and play who's the one guy that's going to come back that can that you're convinced he's going to come back great on the first day of practice lebron absolutely that's the guy and he can come back he starts training camp he's always in great shape you know he's got a basketball hoop in his backyard yeah we see it on instagram right so he's going to be ready so if the best guy is going to be ready and he's not going to be rusty, then who else has a chance? Right? Because we've seen LeBron take a a group of other players that should not have, well, they finished with the worst record in the league the following year, and we saw that guy take that team to the finals. And he's going to be rested and ready to come back. Why should anybody else even bother? Well, I think that there's some other teams out there that would like to have their say, some other players. Um, But yeah. (laughs) You think? But why? Yeah, why? Just give it to LeBron. Just give it to the Lakers. 
Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing too about these NBA players is they they put all their workouts on Instagram. They've been mm-hmm. showcasing how they've been staying in shape, ab day, core day. They've they've been putting it out there. So if you're looking, and you're saying, okay, well, LeBron's not missing a day. LeBron is getting his workouts in. I see LeBron still getting his meals ready to go. He's working on his fundamentals. Hopefully, other players have been. You know they pay attention to one another during this yeah. time. They've been watching their stories. They know what's going on. So I imagine all of them, well, maybe not all of them, but at least the majority of them have been saying, especially if they've been having these conversations with the league or the league representatives behind the scenes saying, hey, we are going to play. We're working out the logistics. You need to be ready. So hopefully a lot of them have been training and there won't be that much of a makeup time for them. And some guys and some teams are just awesome. And I look at both the Lakers and the Clippers in that regard. I remember watching The Greatest Show on Turf when they came back after the 99 season. First minicamp of 2000. So they had played in the Super Bowl on January 30th. They'd had February off, March off, and this was late April. So basically they hadn't been together on a field for three months. And that offense hit the field, and granted, it was just a minicamp, and they were going against no tackling, but the ball didn't touch the ground. Wow. Everything was just incredibly crisp, and it looked like the last practice before the NFC Championship game. I didn't get to see the practices of Super Bowl week, but it looked like last practice before the NFC Championship game, and the team was just that good because the players were that good. And when you get a guy like LeBron and you add a guy like AD, that's just the way things are going to go. Those guys, they don't need to work out as much because they're naturals. That's why they are where they are in their lot in life. But they have that natural skill set, those natural gifts, and they're working out to extreme levels all the time. So I kind of get where Damian Lillard's coming from. Yeah. (laughs) And not to mention, guys like LeBron, they've got everything. We talk about being quarantined in our house. They've got everything they need. He's probably got the hyperbaric chambers. He's got those, you know, NASA pants that you wear that help with your circulation and muscle recovery. I mean, LeBron's got the setup. A lot of these star players have got the setup in their houses, so they're ready to go. Now, you're paying attention here. I have not as much. During this time, these last two and a half months, has LeBron been having Taco Tuesday? Oh, Randy, of course he's been having Taco Tuesday. It's LeBron. LeBron doesn't miss Taco Tuesday. Even during the season. I thought that maybe during the season he would kind of forego. But this is kind of season, kind of off season. But I'm glad that he's doing it. Because that makes him, that humanizes him a little bit for me. You know, I haven't been watching his stories as much as I should have. Probably because there hasn't been a lot going on. But I would imagine that, you know, Le- LeBron does not miss a chance to get on social media and scream Taco Tuesday Taco on the Tuesday! screen. You know, it's such a miss by him, but you know, he loves it. He's with his family. Other people seem to like it. I just couldn't believe that he wanted to trademark it. That's kind of weak. You cannot trademark Taco. You did not invent Taco Tuesday. No, and there are so many people, so many restaurants that have Taco Tuesday. What, 50% of the families in America have Taco Tuesday? <laughs> That's so- like saying, you know what? I want to trademark TGIF. Exactly. So now somebody will think of that. Now, a r- Tampa a Bay, I get. Tampa, Brady, I get. But Do not, you? Because both of those are terrible. I know they're terrible, but at least nobody else has ever said them ever. And nobody will because they're terrible. I would love to be a fly on the wall to hear those conversations between Tom and Giselle where they're workshopping. And he's like, what about Tampa Bay? She's like, beautiful. I love it. Trademark it. Amazing. Coming up, we're going to talk to new Cardinal Hall of Famer John Tudor, the all-time winningest lefty in Cardinal history, all-time winning percentage leader in club history, is with us next on 101 ESPN. That was the Character and Smallman podcast on 101 ESPN.